Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shan and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Welcome back to our part two episode of Ghost Stories. Yeah, so really we should have said grab your flashlight, your mace. And your diaper (laughs) just in case you piss on yourself because you're so scared. Welcome back. Today we are going to talk about more ghost stories. Yeah, and we have two wonderful guests with us today. The first one is a friend, Danielle, and she has had so many encounters and amazing stories of paranormal activity. And the second one is a paranormal investigator. Her name is Luana, and she is a local investigator here in Colorado. So first, we would like to introduce to you, Danielle. And thank you, Danielle, for sharing. Of course, I'm glad I could be here. Yeah. When was the first one that you're going to talk about? Um, about eight years ago, um, I was on an anniversary date with an old boyfriend, and we decided to stay downtown at the Oxford Hotel Okay. in Denver. And it's one of the oldest hotels in Colorado. Um, I've always been drawn to the paranormal, so I, I thought it'd be fun to stay there, and it was. We got a little bit more excitement than I anticipated, but we'll get into that. Um, We had had a night out on the town, and I decided to come back and ask the bellman if there were any rooms that he would let us go into that were haunted or closed. No. Whoa, Um, you were asking for this. Girl. (laughs) It's like 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, and the bellman's like, yeah, go to your room. I'll come get you, and I'll take you guys to the attic. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Looking back, I could not believe I did that. But Wait, hold uh, on. I am picturing the creepiest guy in the world, too. Like, no. (laughs) Yes, like, shining creepy. He was was young. He was probably, like, you know, 21 years old, super cool, super sweet. Um, Very young, though. He He was nice, and he kind of was doing it under the table, like, you know, no one could really know that we were going to go up there. Yeah. So he got the keys and and he came up to our room and he was like, okay, let's go now. So we go um, and it's the creepiest attic I think I've ever seen. There are different uh, furniture laying around. There's, there's all sorts of things stacked up and little tiny hallways to like get to the different stacks of stuff that they had all over. Wow. Um, And it was so packed until you got to this corner, and then it was probably 30 feet of nothing. And then at the end of this room of nothing, there was this little door that probably wasn't bigger than three feet. So it's pitch black in the dorm. The the attic is semi-lighted. And so I start walking towards that door, The boys stop. Wait, didn't something tell you not to walk past that door? Oh, no, girl. I'm very... (gasps) Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to see what's in this door. So I I keep walking. The boys stop. They're they're almost, like, paralyzed, really. And I'm taking my slow steps towards it. And finally, I'm able to see inside, and I see a silhouette of what looks like an elongated cowboy and he's it looks like he's sitting on you know the edge of a bed 
with his cowboy hat covering his face, almost like his elbows are on his knees and his hat is cut. He's covering his face with his hat. Okay. Then I stop because I'm like, oh, shit, something, something's there. <laughs> oh, now you're starting. To, now so you're finally, making fun. I'm like, shit, we better, I better start backing up. So I was paralyzed in that moment. And I turned back to the guys and they're like, do you see something? And I, you know, I was young and I didn't want to freak them out because I've seen a lot of things in my life. So I was like, okay, yeah. no, you know, everything's good, but I, I think I'm good. I don't, I don't need to go in there because at first I was going to go in there. Whoa. Did the so, bellman have any idea what that door led to? No, he had no idea. Okay. He'd actually never even been up to the attic. Oh, wow. Okay. We decide to go, you know, take pictures around the hotel and see if we can find any orbs. And we do, you know, in areas that I, I thought I felt something. Later on, I, I looked at the pictures. And there were definitely orbs around us, which, which was, you know, very confirming for me. Yeah. But... We go down to the room later on and, you know, we start getting ready for bed and my boyfriend at the time passed out, passed out cold and I, I can't, I can't fall asleep. So the TV is on and finally I decide to turn the TV off fall, and I fall asleep. Well, I'm woken up out of a dead sleep and that the cowboy is in our room and he's crouched in the corner, a ceiling of the room. In the ceiling? In the ceiling. So he's like crouched, yeah, at, at the top corner of the room, like oh, hovering over us, kind of. Okay. And so I wake my boyfriend up and I'm like, hey, you know, I like I said, I've seen things all my life. So I'm like, hey, do you feel anything? Do you see something? And he's like, no, go back to sleep. I'm like, I can't sleep. You know, I, I feel some things. So I'm going to turn the TV back on. He's like, do whatever you need to. So I turn the TV on and this, this, creature he it wasn't a man it wasn't a cowboy but he had a cowboy hat on and he he was almost a dark blue like a navy blue color it just kind of like a navy blue shadow dark shadow in in the corner of a room so whenever I'm scared and at this point I'm scared because he followed me right so I start praying Mm -hmm. um and I'm like okay just you know keep praying well it happened to be Easter that day and so I with my whole heart believe that because it was Easter that guy stayed in that corner because I was praying and he it was like another protection for me but the entire time I could not fall back asleep he stayed there until the sun came up whoa and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed I finally turned on all the lights Luckily, my boyfriend at the time didn't care. <laughs> yeah. All the lights on. Could you see anything? Could you see any color still when the lights were on? No, he was just a dark blue navy shadow. Okay. Okay. I could just see a silhouette of a man. Well, not even of a man. Yeah. He had long, elongated fingers, elongated chin, okay. an elongated nose. Um, he had that cowboy hat over his face. Sometimes he would just hold it on the side, but for the most part, he had it over his face. Mm-hmm. So my inquisitive young mind decided to kind of look into that later on. But yeah, that's um, what I was going to ask you if you researched the Oxford Hotel. I, I definitely did. Um, there have been some things happened there. Um, one man murdered his wife 
um, a cowboy murdered his wife Whoa. at that hotel. And I, I, I think it was Batman. I think that his soul had never left that area um, or he's trapped in that in that hell that he lives wow. or lived. Maybe like that's his punishment. Totally. But it was uh, it was one of those things where I the next day I had to get up and go to Easter lunch at my parents house and I get there and I fell right asleep on the couch because I hadn't slept all night (laughs) well and you felt safe and I felt safe and you know like I said I I thought to myself it had it not been Easter I don't think I would have been as protected yeah yeah because I it was like my prayers were magnified yeah. Well, so you had mentioned earlier, Danielle, that you had seen many things in your life. And I know that you shared with me before that your first kind of sighting, and if you're not comfortable sharing this, it's fine, but was when you were pretty young, right? Yeah, I was a kid, you know, and I think a lot of babies and children see these things um, and their parents just tell them that they're shadows or that it's not real, ghosts are real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was raised Catholic. So that was definitely the sentiment in my house was that ghosts aren't real and, um, you know, it's just your mind playing tricks on you. But I knew, I knew that wasn't the case yeah. because I wasn't just seeing shadows. I was seeing people, you know, they were moving around and when my parents would come in, they would go away. It was like, you know, okay, now I am safe. But then as soon as they were gone, um, you know, I could see them still. Some of them, like, the, you didn't always feel scared. Like, you could probably sense ones that were maybe sometimes angels or loved ones, and then maybe sometimes ones that were kind of scary. Totally. I think that I, a lot of the time when I was younger, it was my grandfather. And then at a very young age, I put myself in these in, instances or these occurrences where I would, you know, be in a haunted house. <laughs> I mean, I sought it. And from, you know, seven years old, there was this house on a farm. I lived behind two farms, and there was this old farmhouse, and it was very old, and no one lived there anymore. And I would get a few of my friends to go check out this old house all the time because I felt things there, and I saw things there. So it piqued my curiosity mm-hmm. um, a lot. And I and we'd go there a lot. And, there, you know, at seven years old, I remember seeing the grandma in in that old farmhouse in the basement no one else saw her but she was sitting on the couch um you know she wasn't scaring anyone but she wasn't necessarily a nice person either so you know I could I could definitely feel those types of things yeah um, yeah and see those types of things but when I moved here to Colorado it was a little bit less um like everything around me was new Okay. So I didn't, I didn't have the opportunity to go and like explore old houses like I had in Seattle, yeah, where I grew up. So I kind of stopped seeing those things until I was older again. Gotcha. <laughs> and started seeking more of that out. So a um, lot of people believe that when you seek it out, you're inviting them in. Do you do you believe that, or do you think that this? And do you think it's evil, or do you think it's a gift, or do you think it can be both? I think it can be both. I think that you've got to learn ways to protect yourself. Yeah. Um, You know, I was pretty naive when I was younger, going around running through haunted houses and 
yeah. seeking out, you know, spirits to come talk to me or be around me. Um, you know, but when I turned 18 and started going to places like, you know, ISIS bookstore and <clears throat> getting more involved in, in the metaphysical community, I realized how I needed to put up my boundaries and state what was okay with me. I love that. So I remember, oh yeah, I remember being like 18, 19 years old and telling the spirits around me, it's okay to come talk to me now, but it's not okay to come talk to me when I'm, um, you know, at, at home alone in my basement. Like, you know, things that I knew would freak me out. Uh, so um, you actually laid boundaries with them. Oh yeah. I found that I had to, to make myself more comfortable too. Yeah. Um, and then especially in college, you know, I was, I played soccer up there. So I, I was up in the little town, um, and in the dorm rooms two weeks before everyone else. So I, you know, had this huge dorm facility by myself and I'd have to go downstairs to do my laundry in the basement. The kitchen was down in the basement. And, you know, these are hundred year old dorms. Yeah. (laughs) They have a lot of stories to them, and uh, there were instances where I had to just say, you know, leave me alone. Leave me alone and put my light around my body because I was the only one there, and it it was scary. Yeah. On the other hand, I would be there with friends when everyone got there, and we would have seances in the basement to try to see what was down there. Yeah. They looked looked for it and searched, searched for it. And I got a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever had anything physically affect you or like touch you? Yeah, I have. There was an instance where I had rounded up maybe five of my friends from college to go to this sugar beet mill north of Greeley. It's an old abandoned sugar beet mill that's, you know, over 100 years old. And mm-hmm. The reason why it's abandoned is because there was a really bad asbestos breakout and a lot of people died. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a great place to go <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of the night. <laughs> so I round up some, you know, brave people to come with me and we all go to Walmart and get flashlights brand new flashlights and you know the big sturdy kind with the double d batteries or the d batteries you know the big ones the heavy duty and we decide to go explore we uh we get there and we start getting through this it's it's huge so we start kind of meandering through and it looks like a lot of other people had been there you know there were definitely pentagrams drawn around and you know some crazy things and I'm like yeah no we're okay so we keep going (laughs) and we're on this dilapidated walkway and I'm I'm the last one Mm -hmm. the last person the for the person in front of me is maybe about 10 feet in front of me all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself this looks really dangerous (laughs) yeah it's, it's arrested you know this is like a skywalk and I'm like, we should probably not go on this. This is old. I, you know, I, I don't know. So as soon as I'm thinking that, someone grabbed my jacket and yanked me backwards. Oh, my God. So I, uh, I immediately stopped and told everyone we should get off that thing. But we kept going. We got deeper and deeper into the sugar beet mill. Well, as we did, and we were exploring the rooms, one by one, our flashlights died. 
Wow. I, you know, I hear that a lot. I hear a lot, and I've done some research where a lot of these places that are haunted, if you bring a phone, a camera, anything, and it's fully charged or brand new batteries, it will just instantly drain. Yep. So one by one, our flashlights die, and we're in the middle of the sugar beet mill, and there are no windows. It's pitch black. Oh, my gosh. So we're working off of, finally we get to the center. We're just trying to find a way out at this point. And we're working off of one, the last flashlight that's that's working, and it's dim. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is not like what it looked like when we started. Yeah. Um, you know, it's dim, and, and there's five of us, so we're all kind of like huddled together trying to figure a way out. So finally we end up in this room because we saw the light of the moon. So we go to this room to kind of see where we are. Papers scattered all over. So we kind of start looking at the papers and what they are. And the first one I pick up is of the same date that we were there. It was was November 4th, um, 1958. And it had some type of writing, weird writing on it. But it it was about the same exact time that we were there. Like the time punches were the same exact time that we were there. Oh my God. Um, But from, you know, 1958 wow so we kept that but we did end up getting out of there um and as we're walking back all of our flashlight came back we started working again wow oh my gosh i've got chills well i mean talk about i mean that's synchronicity you know oh man it was the craziest thing yeah you find a paper with the exact date and time Oh, my God. In the first paper I picked up, it wasn't like we were searching. It was, oh, look, this is the same. No, it was yeah. the first one I picked up. And it was, uh, yeah, it was. So did you ever research that one to find out what had gone on there? I did some light research um, with that one. And, yeah, people, a lot of people had died there from the, asbestos. Yeah. Did you take the paper? It was pretty insane. We did. Do you still have it? And we put it in our apartment. No, I, I think my old roommate, probably, she might have it still, but yeah. you know, she, I think she took it. Um, but yeah, we, we put, it, put it on our refrigerator for a while. <laughs> oh my God, that is crazy. I love it. Yeah, so those are the types of things that, you know, I've kind of, it's happened over and over in my life, these, these weird occurrences where, you know, they're unexplainable. Yeah. Paranormal, that's what it means. So Danielle, um, you have... You know, your three children. Yes. And if one of you, and congratulations on your new baby girl. Oh, thank you. Um, you seriously have the cutest babies ever. Um, if your children came to you and wanted to go explore and follow in your footsteps, what would you, what would you say? You know, I don't want to shut it off for them. Yeah. Um, my mom was scared, even though I know that she had similar abilities to me. Mm-hmm. Um, later on in life, she shared that with me. But when I was young, she, she definitely um, pushed for me not to embrace that part of myself. And I, I want to do the opposite. You know, I don't, I don't want my kids to be scared. So I want to teach them boundaries. But there are instances now where, you know, Jordan will be in his room and kind of not go to sleep and he's a good sleeper you know and I feel like there's something in there mm-hmm. messing with him mm-hmm. so I'll go in there and we'll say our prayers and then I'll say you know angels protect my baby and also you know other spirits you know leave him alone yeah he's a baby leave yeah. him alone yeah yeah you know 
and then he'll go to sleep. Okay. Have there been times in your life where you've come across good good ones that you actually don't need to tell to go away because you feel like you're in the presence of, you know, almost like the Lord, I guess? Yeah, you know, there was a... <laughs> yeah, I, there have been. Um, mm-hmm. I had an old car, and I... I had a traveler who just hung in my back seat, and whenever I'd go on long drives, he was there. And at first, he kind of freaked me out. I didn't, you know, I was like, wait, who's who's there? And, uh, you know, I had that car for about six years. <laughs> what was it? Was it a VW Bug? No, it was a, a Camry. The guy just hung out in your back seat? He just hung out in my back seat, and finally, after I had gotten rid of the car and he was gone... I to a psychic about it, and I was like, look, and she said, well, he, you didn't know him, but he saw you, and you reminded him of someone in his past life, and so he attached himself to you, and, uh, and he would come with me on my long, my long car rides. Wow. Uh, during my college years, too, and so I was driving a lot from, you know, Greeley to Trinidad, and Trinidad to Denver, and so... And did you he feel always, safe in his presence? Yeah, you know, like I said, at first he freaked me out because I didn't know if he was back there. Um, and I was on a long drive by myself at night. And uh, I thought someone had gotten into my car. So I pulled over at a gas station after a 20-minute drive of not looking back because I didn't, if there was someone in my car. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I didn't want, and I couldn't find my phone. So I'm driving from Pueblo to the Colorado City exit, and there's there's it was like the last Pueblo exit, um, and that's when I, I felt him and saw him, and so I decided not to look back and try to find my phone before I got to the Colorado City, like not try to freak out before, because if it was a person, you know, my mind goes to, this person's going to abduct me, like, you know, I'm young, yeah. 18. Yeah. And so I just, like, get to the next gas gas station, get to where it's super lighted, and get out. So I did that, and when I did, no one was there. I found my phone on the back seat, which I had not put it there. Danielle, let me ask you, do you feel like you are clairvoyant? Like, you see things more than hear things? Or are you more visual? Um, Sounds like most of the experiences that you've had are visions or things that you've seen. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, none that have ever actually, like, talked to me. Um, It's just more feelings. So I see these images and then I I feel an abundance of emotions. Yeah, Um, okay. Have you ever experienced where, like, it gets super cold around that time or or temperature changing? I have, I have. Mm-hmm. Have you ever smelt anything? No, I've never smelled Smell. anything, but my grandma does. She tells me about it. Yeah. So I wonder if I've shut that off or if I've never just experienced or, you know, tried to... I think sometimes, that. yeah, sometimes we'll have one Claire that's stronger than another. Oh my God. Well, that is amazing. I feel like I want to go sit around a campfire with you again and listen to more. <laughs> oh man, I have, I have a million really things that, and it's funny because when you asked me if I had any experiences, I started thinking about it and I was like, you know, 
Out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> like there's just stuff that is undeniable that you know is real. I think that last but not least, Danielle, I'd like to ask you, when we're young, a lot of these things are present and then, you know, our, the world conditions us into almost thinking that we're crazy. Yeah, totally. Did you ever question yourself? Well, I never questioned myself like, is there something wrong with me? I don't think I, I, I think that I thought, Am I making this up? You know, my mom would tell me, you know, no, it's, you know, it, those are just shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the dark playing tricks on you. Yeah. And you just you know. know. You just know in oh, your man. gut. But your ego yeah. will do everything it can to try to talk you out of it. And the world. As, and, well, in the world. And, you know, the, the people that I was with didn't necessarily carry the same gifts or tendencies that I had. Mm-hmm. So, you know... We had completely different experiences, even though we were at the same, it was the same thing. Yeah. I had to really study it a lot to make myself comfortable with my own gifts because, you know, a lot of people think that it's witchy. They think that if you are like summonsing these um, spirits, which I've never done, they've just come to me. I've never sat and called on them. There's a lot of stigma around doing this. It was my early 20s that I came to just the decision that this is who I am and this is what I believe. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my life experiences have have proven this for me. So I stopped questioning it around then. Good for you. You know, there are some things that you just can't make up. For me, I just felt it in my, like, in my soul. Like, I, I, I just... You, you can't deny it. and Exactly. And so many other people's experiences are, like, identical. So yeah. then you're like, oh, my totally. gosh, that is exactly what I experienced. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, everything you said, I either read people having similar experiences or I've had the same. Mm-hmm. Well, you're awesome. Exactly. Thank you for giving us your time. I love you, girl. I know you're super busy with the new baby. So thank you for sharing. Oh, well, thank you for asking Wow, Danielle had some really creepy stories, but it is not over. Our next guest is a paranormal investigator, and she's going to share with us some of her amazing paranormal investigations. We are super excited to have her. And honored, and thank you for giving us your time today. But if you introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Luana Kurz, and I founded a group called Colorado Shadow Investigations. It's um, a group that I had put together locally here in Colorado with some investigators who want to know more about and research the paranormal. How long have you been doing this? I've been doing the paranormal investigating for almost a decade now, um, so almost 10 years that I've been you know, using equipment to try and capture you know spirit voice and activity um but the experiences that i've had have really been through the course of my life and just really tapping into what i would say is you know the paranormal spirit activity has really gone back to my childhood you know my house growing up was always kind of active i went to this house when i was three and we just started having some things happen like our cabinets would open at the night time and night like the piano started playing and my dad thought there was an intruder in the house and you know, searched it with the gun. It's just like stuff like that happened. And it's funny because as an adult, when I talk to still really good friends with one of the neighbor ladies that live next door, she also had activity in her house. And we were built over different coal mines, which I don't know if that 
kind of stimulated some of the activity or not. But um, I just had like those little encounters. And then, you know, when I was 17 is really when things opened up for me. My grandfather was ill. And one night I just had this experience where I I know now it was him coming to me when he was dying. But um, I didn't know at the time that he had died. And I was like really upset when I went to go see him before in his last few weeks of life he was kind of hooked up to a lot of tubes and I know he knew when I when he woke up one day in the hospital like he kind of gave me that look like he didn't want me to cry because kind of like my first brush with death you know I had never had to watch someone that I love like pass away and so I think he just wanted to make sure that when he did go that he came to tell me he was okay and so I just had this experience in my room that night where he you know came in and kind of said goodbye to me and I felt like I always feel being an empath I always feel like their emotions Mm -hmm. and so I could pick up on his piece and at the time I really didn't know what was going on because all I really saw was his fingers and his his hands are and my dad's hands are a lot alike but he just kind of pat was patting the side of my body and it was like this but I knew at the time like even being 17 I knew somebody was dying but I just didn't know how to relate that to what was going on in reality you know and then yeah. I got a phone call an hour later that said grandpa died about an hour ago and yeah. yeah so that's kind of when I knew like okay that I don't know how and it just I remember thinking like at the, the exact moment when we got my dad came down and said you know they just called grandpa died about an hour ago and it just hit me like that was him coming to say goodbye I like had that fear of like my parents are going to think I'm crazy they're going to yeah. put me in an institution and yeah I didn't want to like say anything to them and then like I came out into the kitchen just a few minutes later and I was like grandpa said goodbye to me like grandpa came into my room and I didn't know at the time it was him but like I had this experience and you know come to find out my mom has my mom is also an empath and my mom has had sensitivities and you know kind of is in our lines we've been trying to do some research on like her lines in her family because her grandmother would have been my great-grandmother but um was put in a hospital back in the Hawaiian Islands and there's not a lot of records but she feels like she was just sensitive and people uh-huh. thought she was crazy it just left me with a lot of questions as to what really happens when we die because I was really stuck on the fact that you know physically we, we focus so much on the physical environment um, especially in I just think you know America just the western regions we really focus on physical physical yeah. and um, I couldn't get past the fact that you know his body was physically miles away but, like, I knew that somehow his soul, if you will, or that his spirit was in my room. And I just couldn't wrap my head around that. I was only 17 at the time. And so that definitely led me to want to pursue, you know, researching the paranormal. And, you know, throughout the next phase of my life, as after I got out of high school, activity really started peaking. And I started connecting with, um, you know, I had a friend that committed suicide and I could I was connecting with him and I just didn't understand it all. So that's kind of what led me to become a paranormal investigator. Awesome. You mentioned um, devices and different equipment that you use. What do you use? Um, So what I like to use for just more of the scientific documentation is I use what's called an EVP recorder. So that's an electronic voice phenomena. My recorder actually will record at different frequencies than the human ear can process. So that helps us a lot of the spirit voices that I capture are coming in. You know, sometimes like people can hear things audibly. I believe that, you know, the theory is that spirits communicate on different frequencies. And so trying to tap in and experiment with different frequencies that even our ears can't hear 
is something that's really important to the, the research right now. Um, so I use a, a, an EVP recorder. That's one of my favorite tools. In the beginning, I was skeptical about the what we call the spirit box. And so yeah. like they have SB7s, SB11s. There's different models that different in- investigators use. And really all that is is an AM, FM radio. And oh. you have the ability to scan the frequencies really quick. So you can either choose AM or FM frequencies and you're going to get like little radio bits the newer models kind of filter that out but i with my research i believe that spirit really needs a little bit more of those radio bits to be able to use their voice to communicate with us and so what we do is we scan the the radio frequencies and ask questions and it's just been an amazing tool for me i've had to really kind of figure out what frequencies I want to scan for radio and I, I like AM better than FM mm-hmm. and I use the fastest scanner scanning rate so when you start listening to the responses that come in you've already scanned over in a lot of the times like when you get one response you've already scanned three to four radio stations Wow. and cool. so you can hear that response coming through and so that's another tool that I love I hook it up to speakers and I can hear that real time when I'm investigating so that's that's helpful wow 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 do, do you not get scared <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, um, I I usually don't scare easily. I'll say that. Like, it takes a lot to scare me. There's been some locations that I've gone into and different entities that, like, are a little bit scarier. But I, it's not quite like everything that you see on television where everything's demonic and out to get you in, yeah. in a bad way. Like, it's definitely been, like, a very beautiful experience. And I usually connect with more of these, like, beautiful spirits that just, yeah, I think want to be here heard. I've never had any negative feelings or really any fear in any of my experiences. They've all been very much connected to love and the source, and yes. it's been a beautiful thing, never evil. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that that there were some places that you had got scared. What are the most scariest or most haunted places that you've been to? You know, um, some of them actually have been, like, some of the odd locations that you'd never think of. Like, we did a veterinarian office one time because the people that work there were like, hey, there's things happening all the time. And, you know, we have these animals and the animals are sensitive to things. And we had investigated that location. And in the moment, I really didn't, like, there was one room that just got very, I just described the energy as heavy. And I think anybody who's sensitive to energy understands what that means. Like, you just you just feel weighted down and just yeah. like it's heavy, yeah. you know, something's heavy in there, like whether it's residual energy or something that's intelligent, but yeah. we had, we were up in this room and it was just kind of heavy up in this room and had this whole experience that just didn't feel very positive. And then for about two weeks afterwards, I just had this attachment, like, and that's kind of goes with the territory. You know, I do have attachments even currently that go with me from investigation to investigation, but that one was kind of more of a negative and it, hmm. you know, it was in my house. It was, it came home with me and it just yeah, didn't okay. want to leave. And so I had to like kind of work hard to get that out of my house. And after that point in time, you know, I kind of have taken a different approach. I just very much focus on like, I'm very protected and I feel very confident with that. And so mm-hmm. I don't, I don't get a lot of negative attachments or anything that, I feel a scary, but I did yeah. have another location up north that was it was in an old coal mining town, and that there was something one night that was just very negative that just was swearing at us, and sometimes you don't expect to experience that. And yeah, just like I guess people though, you know, you get people that are 
not the nicest. And so mm-hmm. I kind of relate paranormal activity with spirits the same way. You know, it's nothing that I would say was demonic or anything like that. But there's just been some locations that you can go into, like, maybe one room in the whole location. And you're like, something heavy is here, you know, yeah. something either traumatic happened or maybe there's something that's attached that's not as friendly. What do you do to protect yourself? Well, you know, that's, it's funny. I just had the same conversation this weekend with some other investigators and we were kind of sharing what we do. And I just, I've really taken the approach of, I just really have a belief system, a very pure belief system that I am always protected. And I don't really feel like since I've taken that approach, I've really been failed by that. Like I just feel very protected. I have, Mm -hmm. you know, there's been two spirits, um, primarily that have been with me for about seven years on my investigations. And um, I've really started honing in on, they help me on investigations. I know it sounds kind of crazy to articulate this. No, it does not. No. Um, Not to us. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like these these two spirits, um, Seth and Steve, that, yeah, I have recording after recording of them on my YouTube videos, if anyone ever wants to listen to them. But they... When I go do residential cases where people are scared, I a lot of the time will tap into these spirits and ask them to help whatever spirits are on the other side to use our tools to help. If there's something scary, I ask them to help get rid of it on uh-huh. from what they can do on their side. And it's really been, um, I haven't had any, like, you know, residential cases where people have said it's gotten worse. It usually helps calm the activity. And so those two spirits I just feel are like very full of light. And then I have a little girl that um, was not in a very good place when I picked her up in a, in a Manitou investigation. And she started coming through a couple weeks later. And I knew at that point where I had time to go through my audio and I heard a little girl's voice coming through on those recorders. And so I knew where she came from. She is still with me today. Like when I turn on my equipment, sometimes she'll come through on that spirit box. And so I just kind of feel like that's really my protection is that I know I always talk to my spirits and I, I believe in like I, my, these guys are guiding me. They're uh-huh. my guides. And uh-huh. so I just know, like I've set boundaries. Um, I, I used to have a lot that would come through in my house that just wanted to communicate when I was like wide open with my senses, like at nighttime, especially, you know, when okay. they're trying to rest, Yeah, I would have things that would come through and I finally like set boundaries and I, I, told my guides I don't want to be open for business 24 7 like I need to have my space in my home be like mm-hmm. my you know my oasis my away from just spirit coming in and out all the time and ever since I set boundaries I haven't had those issues so That's I just awesome. have a deep, deep belief system so your belief system like shields you and protects you and I I'm the same way I've been able to set boundaries and shut them off I was just curious if did any of the other investigators do they sage do they carry stones, stones? do they oh yes Okay. Yeah, a lot of them, like, will use, like, crystals, some, like, pack holy water, some, yeah. you know, like, I was, like, looking at some of the boxes this weekend of um, some of the other investigators and, and how they protect themselves, and I just say whatever works for every person, you mm-hmm. know, because what That's works right. for me may not work for somebody mm-hmm. else, and so, like, I just have a d- deep belief system. I do love crystals, though. You know, staging, I don't necessarily agree when it comes to spirit activity that you can just force something out like just by saging but like I definitely feel like it balances the energy a little bit better you know so that I use a lot of those tools in my house just to make sure that like everything feels balanced and Mm -hmm. and good 
Have you ever been to Third Bridge? Or you said Manitou. You also in, um, talked about a coal mine. What are some other places in Colorado that you've been to? So, I, ironically, I've never been to Third Bridge. I've always wanted to go. And I oh, my gosh, let's go. <laughs> I know, we should. I want to do that, so we'll, do, we'll make a date for that. Um, yeah. I've actually been focusing a lot on um, different mines, like gold mines and uh-huh. silver mines. Okay. So, I've investigated, like, I don't know if you guys have ever toured the Phoenix Gold Mine, but I got a full sentence that sounds like a curious minor um when i was using my equipment and it actually ghost adventures came to me and said can we use this and really i I was able to like really film with them but it was um it was a full sentence that said can you tell me what you're doing like i was using my equipment walking around this mine and you know back in the day women were bad luck like you weren't supposed to go into the, the mine as a woman Okay. And so it's just, um, that's kind of been like a really fun area for me. I actually spent the night in that mine after I got that capture. I went and I actually spent the entire night sleeping in the mine with which is one other female and, um, to see what we could capture. And I just did the mine again this year, just a couple months ago. And then I just did another mine up in Breckenridge, the, um, country boy mine. And that one was really that one was really cool too. I haven't actually gone through all my audio from that yet, but so when you um, go there, you're running your audio for the entire time, like that you were sleeping. Yes. So when, where was that one at? What was it? Um, so the the one that I captured the voice in mm-hmm. was up in Idaho Springs. Okay. Gold Mine. Yeah, that yeah. was up in Idaho Springs. You know, people have seen apparitions. They have pictures mm-hmm. um, from some of the miners that actually work there because it's an active gold mine, and yeah. they've actually captured pictures of what looks like miners and their pictures. Awesome. Um, yeah, so the mining thing is like really, we have such rich history here in Colorado, and that's one of the parts of my job as a paranormal investigator that I love the most is just learning about the history. So yeah. going to a lot of these old mining towns, I've just had some really cool experiences. There was the stage stop that used to be like kind of where the cowboys would come through and rest, and they would, you know, have their horses in this barn. So I, I investigated that years ago, and that was fun. Stanley Hotel I've actually seen, like, a little boy in my room <laughs> wow. uh, in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. He came through in period clothing, so that was really fun. I've never really captured much audio up at Stanley Hotel, but visually it was probably the coolest experience I've had, and I have a photograph that I captured of what looks like either Stanley or Lord Dunraven that used to kind of roam around the Stanley. I you know, I was, just, I was just doing some research on it, and I was shocked that they found that it was built on top a huge mass of limestone and, and quartz, crystal yes. quartz. It's fascinating when you start learning about all the different places, like Lumber Baron is one that I have a really good relationship with the new owners of Lumber Baron, so right now I'm the only group that's allowed in there, but they had, you know, kind of a sad history there, but mm-hmm. I think the new owners have really worked the, um, the energy over so that they connect, they've connected with the spirits at a very high level. So that's a kind of a neat location that I've gone into. Do you put it out there for them to contact you and you'll go in and investigate it for them? Like those owners? Like sometimes they're just curious of, you know, they, they are sensing things or they see things or they hear things and they just want to like know and maybe have some more like confirmation. And so I definitely will go in and do free investigations in the, in the Denver area. You know, I can work out with the owners and take my equipment in there and see what I can capture for them. Can you give our listeners maybe a place to check out some of your stuff? I have a Facebook page, Colorado Shadow Investigations. So if anybody's on Facebook, 
they can kind of go in there and uh, take a look at all the different albums, um, connect with me, message me through there. I mean, my YouTube channel is under CO for Colorado and then Shadow Inv, I-N-V for investigations. CO, Shadow Inv, I-N-V. Um, you can look me up and watch some of the videos there. Um, I have like some of the residential cases that I've done and the the results that I've I have through Spirit Box and through the EVP recorders, different EMF activity you can hear in in the audio recordings. And and sometimes I just like, I like to use like dowsing rods and just different tools. Like I just love it all. Like I'm not, I guess one thing I want to clarify is I don't do this to prove to anybody that ghosts are real. Like that is not what I do. I just like to share what I'm researching and what I'm finding Mm -hmm. and people can make up their own minds what they believe. Like I'm never here to convince anybody. Like I'm just taking that stance. I just love the experiences. I think because I have that approach, I get a lot of activity. I, I have a lot of spirits that will communicate. So, have you ever been to any places outside of Colorado? Uh, yes, I actually. Our, my team went um, a couple times out to Kentucky. We did the Waverly Hills. I don't know if you guys have know what that location was, but mm-hmm. that one was like used for tuberculosis center. Um, oh wow! And that. Yeah, and that one, you know, that, that we had some just crazy activity in there. Like, that. Mm-hmm. so one location, when you ask about, like, kind of feeling scared at times, um, I was walking through with my team. I was out in front just trying to get to the point where we could set up. So we weren't even officially investigating yet. But we were walking in the uh, first level of this building, and down the hallway there was these it was really dark because the sun was going down. So there, and there was not a lot of windows where we were, but there was um, the red exit signs up on the ceiling that were illuminated. And as I was going through and I could see down the hallway, this big shadow figure just walked across the hallway and multiple, like a few of us actually out in front got to see it because we were all looking in that same direction. And I just, as soon as I saw it, I I yelled shadow figure straight ahead and everybody was like, Oh my gosh, like, that was like kind of a crazy experience, but we've done uh, Waverly Hills. And then we also did, which I don't think I'd ever return to the Valeska asks murder house. Yeah, I've done that one. And I just did not, I think being an empath, that was just a little bit too much for me. And mm. it's just a very sad, yeah, sad story with, mm. you know, children. There was like, I think eight total, I think that mm. perished in that house that uh, were murdered. And it yeah. just, I just had a hard time going upstairs and that, location so I don't think I'd ever for personal reasons go back it was a neat house to see and it has a lot of deep history but it's just I think I've kind of changed a lot of like which locations I'll go into now because of that so I kind of feel like sometimes like we're guided to these things for bigger reasons and I just feel like you know my whole experience just has led me down this path of being guided and I, I I like to tell like paranormal investigators like that are new to like learning how to do investigations and stuff like being able to tap into your abilities like we all have them whether we you know some just land on them a little bit stronger than other people or some have to work harder to open them up but I really feel like that goes hand in hand with investigating like the more that you can tune in mm-hmm. and you can start like recognizing what energy feels like and start looking at like your um, intuitive abilities it really does help you on investigations yeah do you have an opinion of why these certain spirits come through just the little bit of research I did which is nothing compared to your decade of experience that it seems like a lot of them are just unsettled and maybe had a lot of pain here on earth 
yeah, I think um, sometimes I, 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 agree, I agree with what you said. Like, sometimes I feel like they are unsettled. Like, if they didn't get to say what they needed to say when they were alive, maybe they just are not at peace 100%. Um, sometimes I do feel like there is a lot of trauma when they left, and so they're stuck. Like, they're kind of stuck, and they need help kind of moving mm-hmm. forward. Um, other times, I just... I think the majority of what I see is just like spirit that just wants to hang out like that, whether they're checking on their loved ones, like their family members, or they're just attached to the actual property. Like sometimes I find like, I feel like maybe that spirit is there because they lived there before and that was their home for 50 years or whatever it might be. So they might be attached to the ground. They might Uh be attached to the house. But I also feel like, you know, these experiences I've had, I think are there to help guide you and to help you reach your, your truth. And that's kind of what I kind of feel happens around us. And a lot of people just, you know, we talk about kind of waking up to, you know, truths and what mm-hmm. what's real for you. And yeah. I think that that's, that's a spiritual journey that not everybody, I think not even a majority of people are really on. Yeah. And so sometimes I think that these spirits are here to help us, realize like the bigger picture and yeah at a deeper level and just people aren't really in tune to that and so sometimes I just feel like they just want to like coexist with us and kind of teach us like different things that we can be open to like every time I've ever said anything with certainty something has come along to show me like maybe that's not really the case (laughs) yeah yeah Thank you so much for sharing. I am a firm believer that Shanna and I were guided to talk to you for a reason. And again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your morning to chat with us. Thank you. It was nice to talk to you. Bye. Bye. Wow, that was amazing. Yeah, thank you guys so much. It really means a lot to us when we get to interact. I, I just love hearing their stories me because too. it makes me feel not alone in mine. Yeah, exactly. Sharing yeah. is caring. That's right. <laughs> like, just like a hair bear. <laughs> a creepy one. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> All right. So next week, we go and do an amateur paranormal investigation of our own. We think we're going to. I have a feeling we're going to get out there and chicken out. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you join us next week on our adventure out to Third Bridge. If you like what you hear, please continue to like, comment, subscribe, and even donate. Thanks for listening. Bye.